This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. A warm magic round greeting to all who celebrate this noblest of holidays. Nick, happy magic week. Happy magic week, Bertrand. Oh man, it's uh, we are sitting here, it is Monday morning and we are just four sleeps away from the best weekend of the year. That's right, baby. It's footy Christmas. Well, grand final day is footy Christmas for the teams that are playing, but... Magic round is footy Christmas for everyone except the Knights, who unfortunately will not be playing. Yeah. But I, even then, even the Knights fans can, can come up and enjoy this one. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. We should, um, we, should, we should open some sort of like orphanage up there on the weekend and we can just um, sort of distribute the Knights fans to other teams for the weekend. Yeah. Give, give them a home. <laughs> that, we should do that. How's adopt, a betting, adopt a Knights how fan. How has like a betting company not actually done that? That's well, like, that's, I'll tell you what, we'll cut this out in post. Right. Chart, if you're listening. <laughs> Start our own betting company yeah. and, then, and then use that to facilitate this, like, this fine idea. All right, but we do have to jump back a few days and talk about the round that just was. Um, bit of a bludger as far as things go, Nick. You were saying just before we well, got Well, I, I, when the first three games of the round, which were all really big blowouts, mm. I thought, okay, well, we've had such good footy this year and there's been so many really close games and all that. We were due for a round yeah. where a couple of teams got put to the but sword. But then the round sort of came back on us and mm. there were there were three really fun games on Saturday. And then the, the first game yesterday, the Warriors-Roosters one, that was just, that was so wet and damp that it was like hard to get anything out of it. But then the the, the Dogs-Dragons game, I had a riotous time I bet you did. with that one. But let's take it right, right back oh, yeah. to 6 o'clock Friday. Um, fair to say my night's tip didn't go great. Not, not, not your best. No. Not your best. Um, uh, this was a game where I genuinely worried that it could be 60 at halftime. I mean, I've not... Se- 10 line breaks in a half. I don't know if that's a record, but it has to be close. Well, I think the most line breaks a team had had in a game this season was 10. Okay. And then Parramatta had 10. In, in half. one half. Um, and it was 12 about five minutes into the second yeah, half. Yeah, I think we. I said on the preview show that I was a little bit worried about how the Knights were going to go away from home and if they were going to be able to replicate that intensity, that Turns defensive out, intensity that they have shown at home. Those were well placed. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was... This was quite... This was really bad. Yeah, it was funny, right? This was really bad, You man. asked me on Friday what I wanted to see and I said I wanted to see the uh, Campbell-Gillard-less forward pack stand up tonight, but they did not need to. Because they just basically went wide and made a line break every time they yeah. felt like it. Well, I thought that like Parra was strong enough in the middle. I thought our, our, yeah, our was, dear friend Wiramu Greg probably had, had very his, solid game. another really solid game. But yeah, this game was one out on the edges, specifically whenever Parramatta tried to go at Kalen Ponga. He had a really, really rough time of it, yeah. defending in the line at 5'8". His first start since returning from those concussions. Um, I think he I think he missed more tackles than he made. At he one point just, it was one made, seven missed. Yeah, he, he just had he just had a really hard time, not just with his contact, but just sort of reading the shape that was being thrown at him as well. Um and I don't like I I, I don't think we should be that surprised that it's been like this because mm. number one, he's coming back from a from a, an incident that for a while there looked like it was gonna end his career. Mm. You know, so of course it's gonna take time for him to get back to physically where he needs to be. And like having that willingness to go into contact and and, and all that sort of stuff. There's probably a lot of psychological factors at play that he's gonna be dealing with probably for the rest of his the season and maybe for the rest of his career. But you throw in like learning a new position, a position that's a lot more defensive heavy, where you do make more tackles and you do have to make a lot of defensive decisions. So he was always going to be up against it a little bit. Um, but the Knights are sort of, with Ponga, are at a crossroads with this one now. Are, are they going to commit to him playing 5-8? Or are they going to go back to fullback? Because the last time they tried to make the switch to 5-8, they abandoned it after two Very and quickly, a half games. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to be in it for the long haul you have to have performances like this and, 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 and still keep him there. Yeah. Which I don't know if they're going to do well, I think or been, not. Well, he wasn't great in this game, but Lockie Miller, for the most part, has been very good this season. He has. He, so he, the last can he cu- play anywhere else? Well, uh, I don't really think so. Mm. I, I think Mil- Miller had that really great start. I think the last probably three weeks, he, he probably hasn't been at, 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 that, same, at that same level. Um, but yeah, if they're going to commit to... If the Knights are going to commit to Ponga at 5-8, they have to commit... To Ponga at five eight through fair weather and foul, and this was this was decidedly <laughs> foul weather. Yeah, and it's funny, right? Dylan Brown scored two minutes, and I went, "Geez, that's a soft try." And then that was the least soft of the first three tries. Well, they yeah, they did. were all they were all just either one out misses or guys Gusso just, just pushing just, over, just from pushing half. over like, from dummy half. And yeah, so 
it was a really it was really disappointing for the Knights, especially considering we said in the lead up though, you know, they had both the Safidis and all that and hopefully they'd be able to sort of match it with Parramatta in the middle of the field a little bit, but No. They they just got beat up. They just got led totally around the park, you know, and yeah, yeah. it was it's a, if I was a Knights fan I'd be I'd be a little bit worried because while they while we, we say they've exceeded expectations and all that sort of thing, they have only won the three games. I think they're three and six. six. Three and five. Now, I don't know if they've had a bye, I can't remember. Well, this is, their, this is their first bye of the year, I think. Okay, well then, yeah. So, so yeah, so they're, they're three and five, which is not, it's not what you want. And even even if they've had some, some good losses in there, the losses are still, they are still piling losses. up a yeah. little bit, you know? What do you think of Para in this one? Well, I just, I mean, I'm always weirdly happier when rather, like like South and Good Friday, for example, I'm always happier when it's not just like, one guy that takes over it's just like a team performance from all your star players and they all perform and i thought that it was i haven't looked at the dalian point distribution for this game but i thought their one six seven were all fantastic you could probably make a case that all three of them had their best games of the year and that's probably sorely needed after the start that they've had and yeah we did talk about the forwards in the lead up they didn't need to be very good but i thought they were your boy wirimu griggins was great hop good again it just gets through a mountain of work he's been really impressive and yeah look i'm still not entirely convinced by Sean Russell in the centres, nor am I like sort of overly enamoured with their sort of right wing situation with Dunster. But like, it, like those are problems you can paper over when your forwards are rolling through and getting through everything, and your you know your star playmakers and your fullback are all performing at the level that they're performing at. So, yeah, by a, by a margin, I think their most complete performance of the year, and it was good to see that they didn't sort of. Just take the foot off the gas. They kept trying. I know that none of the passes stuck, but honestly, had had some passes stuck in this game, we could have been looking at. Well, that that that's it. Like I agree with you that this was probably their most cohesive performance of the year. I thought all their all their big guns were really connecting together really well, but they probably bombed three easy. They tries. could have easily scored sixty in this uh, game with with without a doubt. I, I I actually think they would have come away from this thinking, damn, we really we actually left a fair few points. Yeah, absolutely. Out there, you know, so. Yeah, I like. I, I think. I think Parramatta needed a game like this. I think they oh, yeah. needed a game where they could get their eye in a little bit and, and run up some points and just sort of feel good about the great attacking elements that they do have in their side. Um, I don't know what will come of it, but this was closer to the Parramatta that I was kind of expecting coming into the into the season. And if they continue to connect, if they continue to connect all their playmakers together like they did in this one, then maybe they can still be a team. That's very serious this year. And uh, well, it'll be a thoroughly unserious affair against the Titans on in the Sunday matinee. Oh, that no, might not be, the matinee, the nightcap. That sorry. might be the silliest game. Could be. The, of, the, of the weekend. The and there will be some to, silly the ones. The pitch is going to be so bad by the end of that game too. Like, well, by the, like the end of that weekend. said I mean. it before, Titans, love the slop, eat the slop. Father was Born a mother. Born to slop. The mother father was a mother. mother. The mother was a mother. All right. Speaking of horses, the Broncos, take him out the back, shoot him <laughs> in the head. It's over. The grand old club came into Suncorp Stadium and took their lunch. Lachlan Ilias was Chelsea daggering all over the field. Latrell was giving uh, Adam Reynolds a head tussle that Mitchell Doyle would have been proud of. And um, yeah, look, with the players they didn't have playing, there was probably only going to give a B1 outcome. But I feel like the Broncos probably would have been aggrieved to not be winning this game at halftime. I thought Brisbane really matched Souths um, in the middle of the field for much of that first half. And... There was there was little lapses of execution that they had, like Selwyn Cobbo dropping that part, dropping that yeah. long Adam Reynolds ball that Cobbo really should have caught. Hands, and if he, and if he catches it, he probably scores. And and when with the blokes that Brisbane had at the margin for error was was quite thin. And I think when they weren't scoring points the way they wanted, it sort of got in their own heads a little bit, and they were looking for big plays all the time instead of just sort of trusting their attack to to get the job done, like it has in so many games this year. And then for me, the turning point was when Pat Carrigan went off the field. I thought he was super in his first stint. Mm. I think I mentioned on the preview show that he was the one that was going to have to he step up. He was great against them last year yeah, too. He was the one that was going to have to step up without Payne Haas there and I thought he really did that. But then when he went off the field, there was no one else. There was no one who could sort of rise yeah. and that, to that level. That was the thing for me, right? When it got to half time, I was like, well, I know that Brisbane are a lot better in the second half, but they're not, they're not getting that Payne Haas second stint. He's not yep. coming on the field and I'm not too concerned about the Keenan Palliasia second stint, to be honest with you. And yeah. the, the second half was a procession. I think Souths could have, if they were, I mean, Damien Cook had two different tries. One he dropped just before he put it down. One that was sort of ruled as a knock-on from that jet cut. Like Souths, again, another team that probably could have scored 50 if they wanted to. And yeah, yeah just a huge statement win for them. Like, again... Like, I, a huge... St- I don't know if it's a huge statement. Mate, I, I know... With, I, with, with, with Brizzy having those had, guys out. It's a strong win, for sure. Okay, look, I understand that they are great players, but let's be real. It was two and a half players. Yeah, the... 
the best player on the team, though. Sure, like that's it's fine. like like what a South's like when Trell's not there. Yeah, absolutely. You but know, like I, it's a it's a strong win. I just I just wouldn't be throwing around statements. I thought the Penrith win was more of a statement win. You can make multiple one. statements. Well, but if you do, well, here's one. If you do, I don't like the way you're talking to me. No, but if <laughs> and I'm leaving. If you if you, make, if you make multiple statements, the statements lose their power. No, nah, they don't. A statement must stand if alone. Here's a statement. Fuck you. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no. Look, on a, no. But in all seriousness, like they did struggle against Brisbane last year. Yep. They lost both games. They haven't won a lot of games against Brisbane in their history. I think they didn't win their first game against Brisbane like 2009 or something like that. They don't win a lot of games up in, up at, up at Suncorp bar the COVID season. Um, and yeah, yes, it would have been a much more impressive win had Haas and Ezra Mam and Corey Oates been playing, but you, you still got to go up there and play the team in first. Oh yeah, on their own patch. Yeah, oh, forty thousand people. I'm not, I'm not discounting the and, victory, and uh, and get the and get the job done. Although I think once they worked out that they could just run at the Brisbane left edge the whole time, that kind of did seal the deal. <laughs> Campbell Graham had uh, he feasted. Yeah, he had a great game. Um, he's someone who I think got pushed into rep footy calculations a bit before his time because yep. he plays for a high-profile Sydney club and he was such a good junior representative player and all that. But now, to me, he's he's very much playing like an Origin caliber player, like a test it's, caliber player. I'm not sure if he gets in that Blues team for Origin 1. But it's, it's he's just a try score in the comp. No, it, no but right it's just a matter of, of, of how no, they fit dude, him this in. This is crazy. Like, I, I genuinely think he's playing well. He's playing so well that... And the, I don't think this is just me that thinks this. He's playing so well that Tom Trebovich should be playing on the wing and he should be the other centre. Well, I if I was picking the Blues team today and Trebovich was fit, I would have picked him on the wing yep. anyway because I think I want Trebovich's yardage out of the backfield. And then in the centres, you've got to decide whether you want Campbell Graham, a specialist centre, or do you want Matt Burton, who gives you a little bit more extra in the kicking game. But... It's the sort of question that doesn't have a bad answer, you know. I think I think Campbell Graham's playing fantastic footy. I mean, it was always a really strong defender, but I think he has found something extra in his attack this yeah. year. I think he's it's like it's it's it's, it's he, I think he's playing more powerfully. He's using that really big frame of his to really impose himself on opposition defenders. And you talked about Lachlan Ilias a little bit before that little grubber that he put in for Graham's first try was really really nice. Oh, well. I think I think Ilias has found a really nice balance is in his place in the attack over these last couple of weeks, which is really good to see. He's playing well. That's exciting. That was the big test this year. That was the biggest question mark was whether he could play better. And so far this year, he absolutely has played better. I'm not here to... Never ever going to sit and say he's better than Adam Reynolds or that they made the right decision. But right now, he's playing really well. Would you pick him for City Origin? Absolutely. Well, we're announcing the, the City Country teams on fri- on the Friday oh, show. Yeah, okay. yeah, well, well, yeah I'm going to... I've got to... We're going to have, have one last selection meeting and then we're yeah. going to announce the sides. Okay. And, 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 you know, we, we've had our eye on Lachlan Illings. We've be, been watching him. I will be live from a nondescript cafe drinking the most pretentious drink they have and you will be live from Target Country in Norellan. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's where we'll be doing the show That's from. right, yeah. <laughs> um, spe- Latrell, by the way, did someone not tell him he's allowed to touch the ball more than 10 times until like Good Friday this year? Because since then... <laughs> not in the Latrell, there's, there's not a limit. What? There's, there's not a limit. You don't have to... This isn't like counting calories, dude. You can touch the ball as much as you want. And since then, he's touched the ball a lot and it rules. Yeah, it's really good. It's like, genuinely, I've never... This this three or four game stretch now, he, he just gets around the park touching the ball on both sides of the ruck. He, when he gives a shit, there's no one better. And feels, it feels like he's just really... He's really nailed the this level of involvement. Yeah. You know, it, it never feels like he's chasing the game, He's just, but it feels like he's constantly in I, the game, I just which wonder is really if good. Because... As I said last week on the show, he got booed by a section of the crowd in that Storm game for his perceived lack of effort. I just wonder if that actually did give him a kick up the ass. Well, I, I I think um, Jason Dimitri went away. He did, yeah. He, he, he mentioned in the presser after yeah, the Penrith yeah. game. Someone asked him, um, you know, when he challenged Latrell, and Dimitri went away from the language of calling it a challenge. I think he kind of just said to him, "Look, we 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 just need you more involved." And he's just taken that on board, and he's done really well. If I was Brisbane, I wouldn't be. Oh I wouldn't no, be, Brisbane should not. Be I, I, I don't this think they should be panicking. I think I'd be a little bit disappointed that the, the score blew out the way that it did. Um, but you know, when when you when your best players out like that, that does make it really really tough. And I I think even if Mam and Oates were still out, if Haas plays, this is a completely a completely different. I game, think this. You know? I think the first half looks grossly different, and then if Brisbane are winning at halftime, then yes, perhaps the second half goes differently. Yeah, so but, I'm I'm not panicking if I was Brisbane. Oh God, no. But I would want to return to form this week. I think th- th- that loss now makes this game, yeah, this was, upcoming game, quite. Also, very happy for, for Cody Walker, who took two intercepts in his favour at Suncorp Stadium. Well, is he is he back in the? It's, I think it's two all now. 
Okay, that's good. Because he had the, the grand final, then the round one against the Broncos the following year. That's right, yeah. And he had two in this game. So I think it's two all. There you go. We're so back. he's slowly clawing his way towards the black. We're at uh, we're carbon neutral on Cody Walker Intercepts. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Nicholas, how much dread was going through you at about 4.46 p.m. on Saturday afternoon? God watching damn. your boys labour away I was, at McDonald's Park. I was Park. going through it in this one. I, I, never, I This was the quintessential Canberra Raiders game. I think was. I experienced every emotion a human person can Canberra in this two-hour span. Canberra were in a regional span. area fucking up a huge lead. And you were seeing flashbacks like it was numb. Oh, mate, it was... I, I really went on a journey with this one. So, final score, Raiders 31, Dolphins 30. Um, I'll, I'll like Okay, let's break this down. I'll take you through my entire journey of the match. So, Canberra in that first 20 minutes, it's it's the best 20 minutes they've played all year. And yeah, they, they did, awesome. they did they did all the things that I've that I've always wanted them to do. You know, they played with really great width and just a little bit of shape and they were able to get all their big units, all their powerful runners one-on-one with Dolphins defenders and all that. And Jack Whiten, who was, was really, really impressive in that first half. He was playing both sides of the field. He was pushing up, supporting in the middle. It was everything I've always wanted to see from him as a player. And I was really, really impressed that he was able to produce a performance like this after all the talk that had happened during the week. So that was all terrific. But then they conceded two they conceded those two tries to the Finns. Not the best. Not the best. I think a big part of it was um Papali'i and Tarpane going off at the same time. I would like it if they staggered that a little bit more, but they don't really do it. Seb Chris scoring that sixty meter try right on half time. His improvement has been out of sight yeah. in these last what three the f- weeks. What's going on there? I, I, like you guys will remember, if you've been listening to the show all year, you'll remember that I said in the first sort of month, I said he's trying really hard, but there's just not much of a feel for the position. But there is a much better feel for the position now. He looks a lot more confident under the high ball. He's connecting um, with his halves in shape with a lot more, uh, with a lot more, what's the word, with a lot more cohesion. You know, he threw that really nice pass to Jordan Rapiner out the back of shape to, to set up that try. And I think it's getting to the point now where, it, like, if, it might be hard to drop him for Xavier Savage because yeah. I think he's been that impressive. And I think he has to have a spot in the team somewhere. He's been playing that well. And, you know, like that, I know Branko Lee slipped over in the lead up to that try, but it was one little glimpse of space and Seb was gone. Yep. Seb was gone. It was really, really impressive. Then the second half started and I think I had a couple of strokes. <laughs> um, and, and and we got the other side of, 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 of what Canberra has been this year where they do lose concentration and they, they, they struggled to, to kill teams off. I felt like if they got one try early in the second half, they could have run up a pretty big score, right? But they didn't. They had a lot of possession early in that second half. They were attacking the Dolphins line and we got a bit of the bad attack that Canberra's had this year. No, I think, I don't think Jack White, after an extremely impressive first half, had one of his, had one of his bad halves in the second half where he went missing a little bit and he wasn't demanding the ball and getting involved like he was in the first half. And if there's one thing that's true about the Dolphins, it's that if you let them hang around, if you don't kill them off, they'll come back and get you. And that's exactly what happened. You know, Cody Nicarima was terrific down that left edge. He really targeted Elliot Whitehead defensively as the game went on. Connolly Lemuelu, who we've been quite high on all season. Yeah. We've really, we've re- he's someone we picked in the preseason as somebody to keep an eye on. He was fantastic, I thought. He was like easily the Dolphins' best played. Like gave Canberra absolute nightmares down that edge. And yeah, all of a sudden it's 30 all with 10 to go. And Canberra, who had no one in the team that had kicked a field goal, played as if they didn't know field goals existed. That was, I'm not exaggerating, the worst I've ever seen a team have a full set to set up for a field goal. Oh man, it was like, there was like three times in the set where they nearly scored a try. So I can yeah, understand that, wanting to play that, positive and all that. But like more where Jack White like threw it to the left wing. I was like, oh, what, what are you doing? Well, that's the thing. So like... That last set in regulation, or the second last set in regulation, where the Raiders have a, a pretty much a full set on the Dolphins line, and Fogarty's got it 15 metres out in front of the post, and instead of kicking a field goal, he does a cross kick. That was insane. White goes up and catches it, right? He catches it, he gets held, it's the last tackle. He looks over and he sprays Fogarty, which is fair enough, because Fogarty should have kicked the field goal. But also, Jack Whiten, you are the one who could have done something about this. Of everyone on the field, you are the guy that could have... At the start of the set, who could have said, no, fellas, let's not swing it wide. Let's keep it in the middle yeah, and kick a damn field true. goal, you know? And then extra time, extra time starts. I, I, I got the feeling in that last 10 minutes that the Dolphins were very much just hanging on. Canberra were 
their own worst enemies and were able to move the ball up the middle of the field with pretty with with like pretty easily. I think Papaliti had over 180 oh, metres. Tapani had over 170. You look at the meter count for this game. Like the top 10 players are all right. That's the thing. Canberra should have killed them off. And it was only because the, the Dolphins made some really great defensive efforts, like one-on-one efforts at key points, that the score wasn't really blowing out. In the end, Canberra get down there and kick the field goal, not without a very questionable uh, six-again call. Yeah. You got a couple of... Calls go your way at the end of the game, but fuck it. That just happens sometimes. Well, so did the Finns. Like, in the lead up to the Jesse well, Bromwich try, he got a penalty thought, when he just fucking dropped Hudson it. Hudson passed like, off the ground in that last set you had in regulation as well, but it doesn't matter. You get yeah. calls sometimes. You yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they finally they finally nailed it. I went... <laughs> and I had a few Raiders fans afterwards who were kind of like, oh, it feels like we didn't deserve to win. I said, Dude, fuck deserving to win. Like, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. Deserve's got nothing to do with it, man. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, Raiders have won three in a row, and I think this is a team that's still... They show in patches that they can be really capable yeah. and they can have probably quite a high ceiling. It's just about stringing it all together. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I think there is a really good footy team somewhere in there. It's just, it's not always easy to find. Speaking of weird calls, I also thought Emre Gula scored, but... Uh... Okay, so I don't have a problem with them disallowing that try because I thought he dropped it. Mm. But, but the way with been the new those, interpretation yeah. of the rule this year, I thought he year, kept his hand on the ball. I so. thought so too, oh, but well. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. There one, were riots so. at What's Up Brothers Kebabs in Condor Park. I'll tell you that much, mate. Me. I bet. I bet the gar- the, gar- the garlic sauce was flying. Was all right. But uh, yeah, and then the scenes after the game with Jack White and, and Ricky Stewart both being extremely emotional about the whole did, week and all that. Did anyone ask Ricky about this the thing on his head? Uh, I don't think they did. Oh, I suspect it's from when he punched himself in the head when he found out Jack White was leaving. Possibly. I, I, I thought he. I thought he'd be more like a head butt the wall kind maybe, of guy. That's true. Maybe. Um, that's true. But yeah, I think it was. It was. It was interesting. I've never seen White in that emotional ever. Not even after they lost the grand final. I've never seen White and sort of, sort of get to him like that. Like he could barely speak in that post match interview with Lara Pitt. Um, and then Ricky got really emotional in the press conference as well, and. I don't know, like Ricky, Ricky's presser was a little bit all over the place. You know, he said, oh, you know, I understand why Jack's leaving and it's not a problem. And then two sentences later, he said he was pissed off about it and all of that. <laughs> and I think what White and, and Ricky's reaction shows is that Canberra, for better and for worse, are a club that's really run on emotion. It's not to say they care more than other clubs or no, anything but like that. I but I think, I think emotion plays a really a much bigger role in their decision making and in oh, the day to day life of the club it than it does a lot of other clubs. Um which I don't have a problem with because I think Canberra need points of difference wherever they can find them. But um yeah I, I know Ricky's copped a little bit of stick for this, but I I I I always love that he wears his heart on his sleeve. I always love that that his passion for the club is what is what makes me that's what makes him appealing to me yeah. as a coach, still. I you know, and I, I know, I know, I know he has a lot of flaws as a decision maker sometimes and all that. But his overriding passion for the club is what always gets me back on his side, even if he's frustrating me sometimes. Mm. I can, I can see both sides to that. I mean, he's certainly a lot more visceral than most coaches are with his emotions. But yeah, sometimes that's a good thing. In yeah. games like this, it's definitely a good. Thing. I think so. Yeah, and look, I think I think the Finns. You know, get the Finns back on Queensland soil and they'll be okay. They've yeah. just got to, I think they've just got to stop giving teams such big starts because it's clear that they yeah. can hang around and, and they've got a lot of ticket to fight back. But they just make it really, really hard for themselves a little bit Keen sometimes. Keen to start sorting itself out and thinning out a bit in the next few weeks. Yeah. Still at the moment, it's like every team, between, like there's one win between second and 13th at the moment. So it's like, Bizarre. Just let's start thinning it. There's two, two wins between first place Broncos and ninth place Dolphins. So yeah, let's, let's thin it out a bit. Um, well right. said. Thank you. Um, Manly, another weird team that I can't really figure out. Um, they just had their lunch taken by the Titans on home soil. Philip Sami's season of Phil, brilliance. Phil the power Sami. What a, what we're a playing, try. We're playing great footy, Good man. grief. But, playing um, great footy. Yeah, the Titans were great in this. And there was no... I think the most heartening thing if you're a Titans fan, there was no shenanigans. There was no nonsense. They didn't get 20... Or was it 20 to... Six or was it? What was the score at one point? <laughs> and you, and there were, but it was no point. They rushed because Campera scored at half time, and that made it what eighteen to two. And there was no real shenanigans. I don't okay. think he got that try at half time. Have you seen the movie The Prestige? Yeah. So that's a Christopher Nolan movie. It's the one he made just before he made Batman Begins, right? And it's about magicians. Hugh Jackman's in it. Yeah, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale are both in it, and they both play magicians, right? And with magic tricks. This movie explains there are three parts, right? Mm. There's the pledge. The magician shows you something relatively ordinary, right? So that's the t- so 
That's the start. The second is the turn. The magician takes the dove and makes it does makes it do something extraordinary, like disappear. And then there's the prestige. The magician the magician tops that disappearance and makes the dove reappear. So with the Titans, the pledge is them just being a pack of lunatics who yep. can score a thousand points and can't let them in. The turn is them giving up the biggest lead in NRL history last week against the Dolphins. And then the prestige is topping that by putting in the most unexpected thing of all, which is just an extremely competent, extremely composed, extremely tidy win against a team in bad conditions on the road. The Titans will keep you guessing forever. If you ever think you know what they're going to do, you don't. don't. If you thought you were in for another mad game, guess what? You weren't. You were in for something completely different. Never, ever trust them. Never believe in them. Just sit back and enjoy them. I thought they were really good in this one, you know. I thought Fafita was, was great. I thought his most complete game of the season, I thought he found the balance between work rate and sharp attacking touches. You know, like he that tip on for Khan Pereira for the first try was just fantastic. And that's the sort of stuff that we've been wanting to see from the Titans for years is just having that whole edge operate around for feeder and, and what he does well and what he the unique qualities that, that, that he possesses. You know, and then the try he scored was more that classic day for feeder. It was just there's nothing on here, but I'm Dave for feeder and I'm gonna score a try. Yeah. You know, so I thought he was super. Mo Fodawaka continues his excellent form fantastic over the last season. month, ran for two hundred meters again. Um, and yeah, the, and at no point did I feel like Manly were really coming to get the Titans. I felt like Manly had a lot of ball probably in that first 20 and the Titans kept turning them away, turning them away, turning them away. Even though, you know, uh, Olakowatu always looked dangerous or that he was probably Manly's best in the beaten side. But apart from that, there just didn't seem to be many game-breaking qualities for the for the Seagulls. And I wonder, like, if it's not Tom Draboyevich doing Tom Draboyevich stuff or if it's not Olakowatu creating things off his own bat... It's hard to see where a lot of their points are going to come from. Yeah, you know. So well, I thought their, that's been their problem in the whole Tavoyevich era. Is yeah, when he's there, it just seems like every aspect of their game gets better. Mm. It's not as simple as I'll oh, just give it to Tom and make him do something. Just his presence, for whatever reason, seems to just galvanize their attack across the field. And when he's not on, and it's just kind of flat. Yeah. But yeah, an extremely impressive win for the Titans. It's a real shame they're going to be without AJ Brimson for a while now with those hams without that hamstring injury, but. Jaden Campbell's a more than capable backup. I actually thought he really gave them a little bit of, uh, dare I say, X factor yeah. when he came on. I will add, by the way, I think the, I think the decision to start Kyle Weeks fullback blew up in their face. A bit. I do too. I understand why they did it because they didn't want to shift their entire backline around. But I'm not. He, I don't think he looked comfortable back there at all, especially the tricky in the tricky conditions. You know, so I'm assuming that Trebojevic will be back this week. But if he's not, I, I think Tolu Kola's aiming to be back this week as well. So, But I think, yeah, I don't think KO will be lining up at the back this time. Wouldn't have thought so. so um, let's move on to the game of the round. The game, the upset of the year. The miracle of Bathurst. Penrith 8, West Tigers 12. They did it. The <laughs> mad men did it. You know what? You know what I thought? One set into this game, when a, when a handsome... Halfback by the name of Luke Brooks booted one of the best forty twenties you'll ever see. Thought Luke Brooks is back, unleashed. And then when you know what I thought when uh, Luke Brooks put in a grubber for the opening try for Brandon Wakeham, I thought he's back again. Luke Brooks for life, baby. Luke Brooks for life. But I got two words for you that trump all of that. Luke Brooks for life. That's four words. I got two words that trump all of that. Jareem, Jareem Buller. Buller. What Didn't he have a blinder in such tough conditions under heavy pressure? From Nathan Cleary's kicking game and Buller was yeah. fantastic. Buller Vanaka to all our all our Fijian listeners out there, man. He's you must awesome. be so proud of your boy. He's sick. Yeah, he's he, he did him. he did he did really, really well. I thought the Tigers all did really well to, to play to the to play to the conditions. Um their forwards have pro- have been doing a pretty good job for the yep. last couple of weeks. And if you look at the numbers from this one, they just really re- shout out. Sorry? Dave Clemmer shout Dave out. Dave Clemmer was fantastic. But if you look at the numbers for this one, they really just beat the Panthers to the punch time mm. and time again. And obviously there's mitigating factors. The Panthers were without Spencer Lenu and James Fisher-Harris. And then they lost Matt Eisenhuth early in the first half. So they're really digging deep into the bullpen. But they still got Isaiah Yo out there. They still got Moses Leota out there. And the Tigers just, just really, really handled them. Played really solid wet weather footy. I think they only had four errors all night. Yeah. Which would be a great result in dry conditions. Let alone in monsoon season out in Bathurst. You know, and they just... I'm glad that you brought up uh, Luke Brooks, who is back, by the way. But I'm glad you brought him up because I felt like the conditions almost took the choices away from him. It simplified things for him. 
And I think I think the big problem with Luke Brooks over the last couple of years tries to do too been, much. Well, I think you can just see so he, yeah. he's trying to do so many different things all at the same time. But this was like there was no he's there was no he's choice. Constantly was, that meme of the lady with the like math equations and algebra. Yeah, in the sky. That's but, him. But every here, time he gets here, the ball. his choices were really were really limited. It was you know kick it long, kick it long, kick it early, keep things tight. Don't try and do anything too crazy. Yeah. Just you know, just run the team around the park in a very simple, very basic way. And and he was able to really excel at that. You know, and I, I thought he he outkicked Nathan Cleary in this one, which he is did. no small feat in no. in any game ever. So hard to do. And I was really happy. I was really happy for. For Luke Brooks and I was really happy for for all the Tigers, you know, and, and all their fans in that because it has been such a tough year. And I've said on here a couple of times what a low ebb they've been at and how disappointed. I've given the Blues seven. <laughs> Brooks one, Ilias two, Cleary three. I think that's the new that's the new hierarchy. But yeah, it has been so tough for him, and we've been really hard on him because we really did expect a lot more. But you know, hopefully this can be a bit of a breakthrough break, breakthrough for them. And you could see after the match how much it meant. Like, Appy, Appy, you couldn't get the smile off Happy Coruscant's face. Like, Wasn't he good as well? He, he was, just, he he was wanted, terrific. I know yeah. it's a cliche, but he wanted it so badly. He did, yeah. And Brooks was, you could tell Brooks was, was emotional as Brooks gets after the after the game and all that. So I was just really, really happy for for all of them. This was this was this was, like, this was a special. I thought they were unlucky not to win last week. And so but then after that it was kind of like, well, they play the Panthers next week, normal service is going to resume. Who knows where the win's going to come from? But they just kept all the things they were doing well from that game and just sort of got on with it. And yeah, look, like obviously, you know, I I've supported a team that didn't win for like a year. It stinks, but like to not only get a win, but to get a win in such unexpected circumstances. And now you got you go to Magic Round. You, you you if you're a Tigers fan, going to Magic Round. You your your weekend isn't ruined by like the zero and nine jokes. You don't have to worry about being on zero wins and watching your team lose again. There's now a world where if they beat the Dragons, they're not in last. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Who would yeah. be in last? The Dragons. Oh damn, that's right. Or um, there's someone like uh, I think that there's a big four. Or the Cowboys could also if. If so, if the, if the if the Tigers beat the Dragons by like thirty, they go above them. But if they win at all and the Cowboys lose, they go above the Cowboys. Bloody hell! Yeah, but yeah, I was, I'm 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 just really happy because it, it like when your team loses and things look so bad, it just does become such a slog, you mm. know. And the Tigers fans in your life, you, we all have them. We all know a few Tigers fans. They were probably in a really dark place. I'm just really really happy for all of them. It sounds condescending, but like just good on them. Yeah, fucking good on them, man. Yeah, they're, they're all, and we did a little bonus pod with with Maddie, who's a fr- friend of the show, on on Saturday night. And yeah, she said to me last week when we were at Campbelltown, "I can't believe we're going to be winless at Magic Round." And now they're not. She doesn't have to believe it because it's not true. That's right. But you know what I do believe in? Luke Brooks. Yes, because he's and back. also Jareem Jareem Buller. Buller. Great name. Yeah. Oh. Um, a little bit more. I thought Isaiah Papali'i had his best game. Yeah, he was very since arriving very at the club. Um, for Penrith. Obviously, a frustrating loss, a little bit of an embarrassing loss. They haven't lost two in a row in since 2021, and I think that's the only time they've lost two in a row in this run that they've had. And both those 2021 games were um, impacted with Origin guys being out. I think just with the guys who have left in the offseason, their depth has really been stretched to its limit. And now with a couple of injuries added to that, it's just this harder to cover those gaps. This was the first game you know? where it was like, oh, especially because he was on the other side of the field. This was the first game where it was really like, hey, maybe we shouldn't have let our superstar hooker leave to like combine two guys who are kind of just okay. Yeah. So like, yeah, like well, Coruscant boxed the years off Kenny and Luke in the, in the middle of the yeah, field. Yeah. And, and both of those guys had individual bad moments in this game as well. Yeah. So. Um, and like, you know, Tyrone Peachy was out in the centers in relief of Isaac Tago. Got he probably had a tough, he had a tough time Jeez, of it. Didn't he? Um, I thought Dylan Edwards was really good at the back. I thought, yep. I thought him and Buller both really just showed great, um, great handling, not to just go to pieces in the wet conditions. Both of them were, we're tr- fielding some really, really tricky kicks and doing it really, really when well. When Edwards made that cover tackle after the big break through the middle, that was the first bit where I was like, geez, it's the same old Tigers. Like any other team scores in that situation. Well, I think when Cleary busted through and, what a tackle. And, and, and dived for the line and sort of the ball bounced out. I Look, I know we love Jareem Buller. I think that was more Cleary just hitting the ground and the ball bouncing yeah. out. I don't know if it was Buller coming across. But I, yeah, Cleary I, was looking at the ground as though, how dare you, yeah. grass? <laughs> I'm Nathan Cleary. But when he broke through yeah. and before he got in line, I thought, oh God, he's going to score here and they're going to end up winning like 26-4 or something. Mm. But that was the first moment where I thought, hang on. 
Wait a minute. Hang on a minute. Could be may, may, well, maybe, maybe it's on I started to believe here. when Brendan Aiden got binned at 6th law and I thought, well, by the time he comes back on, it's going to be 18-6 to the Panthers and this game's going to be over. And they, they held firm. Mm. Panthers had multiple sets on their goal line in that 10 minutes. Had a lot of chances. Had a that, lot of chances. And that's been their problem this year. It was the same in that Broncos game in round one. It was the same to a lesser extent in a couple of other games. That Even some of the ones that they won. It's like, they're getting a lot of play the balls in the opposition's 20 and not doing much with them. Mm. And that has now gone from just being like a kind of couple of week thing to now sort of a 10 week thing so maybe a genuine area of concern for them going forward well apparently they're four on four yeah they have the same record as the Raiders you wouldn't read about it you wouldn't read about it I, I'm glad that we're, I'm glad that some handsome podcast yeah. are brave enough to say it yeah no I'm, I'm, I don't think Penrith are going to panic I think, they're, I, think I, they're, no, I think they're really pissed off but maybe, like maybe panic's the wrong word but like dude I genuinely do think that like and this was what I said in the preseason about why I don't think they're going to win the comp this year is they're still going to have more than enough in their in just in their team in general, enough class players to get through the regular season and win somewhere between like fourteen and eighteen games. That still seems very likely to me. I wouldn't I would be shocked if they won less than that. But I just think with just how limited their attack is at the moment in the opposition twenty, that like it's gonna be a real issue when they play Seattle, the Roosters or the Storm or the Broncos even in one of these big games mm. in a prelim or something. I think it's gonna be a real, real issue for them scoring points well i i would worry about whether they have an extra level to go to yeah. when it really really counts you know i i do think at some point in the next couple of weeks somebody is going to have to bear the brunt of penrith's frustrations they are going to cop a great and terrible wrath do you think it could be 3 p.m on saturday depends depends what's going on with the wars mm. but uh it's possible somebody in the next few weeks is going to get absolutely curb stomped by the but Panthers. you say that right but if it's not this weekend the next two games are roosters broncos Ooh. So I don't think those are curb stompings. And then they've got to buy after that. So, like, I don't wow, know. Wow, so yeah, it's kind of got to be this week, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. And then Origin starts and they're going to be sort of very disrupted by yeah. team outs for the rest of the Oh, wow. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't have a look at the games they had coming up. But all of a sudden, this weekend becomes extremely important for them just to right the ship mm. a little bit and sort of get back to, get back to their best. And well, what, what, look, that's a nice segue then into the first game on Sunday. Yeah. Roosters 14, defeat Warriors nil. Um, before we get into the game, shout out. This sign game is on point. Man, next level. Next level. The guy so, with the bin. Get in, Radley. Great stuff. And that's backing up from the, the guy the other week that had the, the score from the Sharks game. Yep, never give and up. And it said, if I die, bury me in a Warriors jersey because I might just come back. Oh, yeah, that to the Hall of Fame is like, let's go on Warriors. Let's go on Warriers. Roger Skuivasashek. Yeah. And, and the dude who just did shoeys every week as well. Just just great stuff. Like, New Zealand really, really coming, really coming correct when it comes mm. to signs. What did you make of this one? Because the conditions, it, this was a bit like Bathurst where the if conditions Nico just... Hines had played in this game, he would have drowned. <laughs> it would have been too wet. <laughs> too wet for him. They bombed a lot of tries, the Warriors did. Yeah, I think, t- like, their execution was, was probably pretty poor. Jackson Ford... Looked likely Jeez. to me. He's someone who's had a who's had a really good season, but I feel like just he didn't quite get it right and in I this mean, game. Culminating with that almost drop, not practically dropping the ball over line, but sort of getting the ball jarred out as he was going over. To That's score. it. And in wet conditions like this, there are going to be very few chances. So you, it is important that you take them when they do come. And the Roosters were able to do that. You know, I think the two tries is just a crash ball to Crichton, and then a really sharp little kick from Brandon Smith. I from mean, Brandon Smith. I don't and think any other hooker is capable of that sort of play where he goes across the field of that and puts in a kick. Like, in a situation where everyone thought he was going to keep running the ball. Yeah, well, this, this is the thing. He's always had a little bit more skill than mm. people have given him credit for. Um, but yeah, that was a really sharp bit of work. And and in conditions like that, if you're defensively strong and if you're tough in the middle of the field, which the Roosters were, even with Jared Warrior Hargraves not being there, that can be enough. So, to me, while this might not have been the Roosters' most impressive victory, it was probably their toughest of the year. And I think it could be a really important one for them to, to sort of batten down the hatches and get their defence right because their defence has been a real sore point for them all season. Even in games they've won, like the game on Anzac Day, all the players after the game said, yeah, Robbo's going to get ups about the defence. Like, we're just leading yeah. some real easy ones. Well, but this one... but. Good defense comes from. Well, that from, was the hallmark of their premiership teams as well. Yeah, good defense comes from. It comes from attitude. And it comes from confidence, right? It comes from having confidence in your own defense. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a, a downhill sort of thing. The more confident you are in your defense, the better your defense is. So the more confident in you are, and again and again and again. So maybe this is the sort of game that that kind of reawakens that in the Roosters mm. a little bit. You know, so yeah. And I, I think it might honestly, this game might just be as simple as they played to the conditions better. Because yeah, I think they did a little bit. There was bit. just no no line breaks to speak of, not really too much sort of enterprising footy. And every time the Warriors had half a decent chance, they put the ball down. So. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I think the Warriors' attack is quite predicated on um, 
on like really nice shifts. Like if you yeah. look at, and a really good example of that is if you go back on Anzac Day and you see the Dallin Wateni's Lesniak try where Charles Nickel Klugstad comes out the back of two dummy runners and tips it onto him. It's a really well constructed, really nice bit of footy, but that's just really hard to do in conditions like this, you know, and you're not going to get a hurricane like this every, every no, single that's, week. That's true. But yeah, I think you're right. The roosters just adapted to it a little bit better than, uh, than the Waz did. And, you know, when the Waz as well, they, when they've got Dylan Walker in the halves, so there's not as much creativity when they don't have chance, Nickel Klukstad at the back. So that's a little bit less creativity there. It's kind of all on Sean Johnson. And if he can't kind of find, the right touch or the right execution, then all of a sudden, where do the points come from? So if I'm the Warriors, I'm not panicking. But again, I think this is this this next game against Penrith is now a really big a one for them. Game. You know? In the context of this. Because I think they have a they have another they have a, another tough one next week, if I remember they correctly. The, the, they go Panthers, Dogs, Broncos, Dolphins, Raiders. Mm. So it's okay. All winnable. All, all losable, losable too. Mm. So we'll, we'll we'll know exactly where they're at after this run. Man, I can't wait till we get a run of winnable games. <laughs> um, last game of the round, uh, the doggies. They're back. This game. 18, this game ruled. Win over the dragons. Ruled so hard. Um, we forgot when we did the guys who should play union on the question time the other uh, show the other week. Zach Lomax didn't get a mention, but that was the most inside centre rugby union pass I've ever seen <laughs> for that match. Lovely, being, lovely tried. tight spiral. And wasn't then it? I had the I had the Vietnam flashbacks of um, Dylan Walker Corey Oates when Fini was <laughs> ragdolling poor old Donnie Burns over the okay, line. Okay, okay, it was poor old Donnie Burns in that one. But, but after that, I I want to give Braden Burns a absolutely massive shout out because that knee of his was gone from about the 15 minute point. He couldn't really he couldn't really run. He couldn't really stretch out. But the dogs have had so many injuries and they have been stretched so thin. And I don't know if it was his decision to stay out there or if Seraldo just said to him, "No, Braden, we need you." He dug deep and he found something and he just kept finding a way to get it done, you know? He's the one that sprung the offload for Jake Avarillo for Avarillo's first length of the field try. He's the one that rips the cutout pass, pass for Jake Avarillo's yeah. second length of the field try, you know? And he, and he was, again, like he couldn't have much of an impact in the running game because he couldn't really run, but he was popping offloads. I think he had three line break assists. He still ran for about 150 metres. I, I think it's a real measure of a player when they're able to when they're able to overcome an injury like that, because a lot of guys just can't do it. A lot of guys, they either get in their own heads or they just can't sort of, they, they can't, they, 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 they can't sort of dig down and find that, that true grit. But Braden Burns has got the true grit, man. Oh, he's yeah. got the true steel. And after a game like that, I don't care what happens from here. He's got a spot in my team anytime he wants it. And I hope he's in the hyperbaric chamber. I hope he's icing up that knee. Cause if he's fit, there's a spot for him in in the country origin yeah. team. I, I mean, know we're not announcing the team till Friday. I know, but uh, but Canamble Zone, Braden Burns, mate. If you're fit, you're in. Yep, that, that's uh, the my my city boys are, are nervously waiting the news on his knee. Well, what about Burns Avarillo? Yeah, like that. That's that brothers brothers turned fearsome enemies. Mate versus mate. Well, the Georges Hall Jet, bro. Yeah, Jake Avarillo. He was man. Like he's always had wheels, but like those were just two great tries, two great bits of open field running. You know, Sloan had a shot at him. Both times. And Avarillo said no. I'm not yeah, having it. D- did he though? <laughs> or did he just kind of get the Matador cape out and wave him through? Maybe. Wouldn't it be great if Tyrell Sloan was like a, a bullfighting enthusiast? He'd be good at it. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. There was a, there he should have done better. He there was done an 80 better. kilo steer by the name of Jake Avarillo <laughs> running at him a couple of times. And he, and he masterfully avoided him. Oh so, yeah, is steer the right one. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The joke worked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, not great on either of those. But uh, yeah, I, I guess at this point, with there's just two types of fullbacks. There's the the, the fullbacks like Mitchell and Reese Walsh, who will, and Dylan Edwards, who will put their body on the line. And there's the 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 the, uh, the, the other, other kind. kind. <laughs> yeah, we're just the, the you Kalen Pongers, your uh, Tyrell Sloans, who will make a business decision. Yeah. So the dogs, like Josh Reynolds, I thought added a lot um, coming on coming in at 5'8", just because I think we talked about it a little bit on the previous show. I was talking about Nico Hines and how the Sharks identified pretty early last year that he's someone that will just make attacking decisions. He'll just get his hands on the ball and do stuff. Yep. And most of it works, right? Reynolds, not as much stuff works, but he gets in there and he makes attacking decisions. You know, he was kicking early and sort of forcing the Dragons down their own end. He was freeing up Matt Burton a lot more. Um, I thought... I thought Reynolds taking a more active role in the in the organization of the team and then running around the park played a big role in, in, in Canterbury looking pretty good 
in that first half, you know. And then I think once Olapau came on, I think it's it's clear that Olapau's got something. Mm. This was probably a little bit early for him, um, but it's clear that he's you know there's definitely a really good player that's that's in there that's in there somewhere. But um, yeah, I just felt like they got the balance right a lot more. And any win that Canterbury can get right now with all their blokes on the sidelines is one that should be that should be really really treasured. Conversely. The Dragons are now two and seven. This is bizarre. I mean, I, I, I don't know if anyone's tweeted about it, but that's this is now four games in a row where they've equaled the number of tries of their opponents and lost all four. They they just they have a real lack of attention to detail. It's clear that there's there's a, there's some talent out there, you know. Like this when we talk, we say it every week. Thing, we talk about Hunt and Amon. They've got enough and good Sloan players. They and shouldn't be this bad. I, yeah, I think I, that to me they play like a team that's waiting for a change. Yep. I think like even that last set, and it's obviously you're not expecting a guy to just bang up. But the way they set up for that two point field goal was dreadful as well. Yep. Like get him in the middle of the park, get the play the ball off a bit faster because it got touched, right? Mm. So it's like that oh, was just horrible execution all yeah. around. Well, and if you look at the three tries the dogs scored, right? It was Corey Waddell putting in the first kick of his entire life, and then the well, wa- I tell you the Waddlers, we big day, we big day for the Waddell Waddlers, man. We were on and our then feet. it was and then it was Avarulo going yard from deep deep in his own end. Like it wasn't like the dogs had a heap of well no, constructed exactly. attack, especially in the dragons in the dragons twenty. So yeah, it felt like the dragons sort of have no one to blame themselves for this one. And uh, I think you, I, I think, think they are, are right. a team. They are a team that I think would really benefit from a fresh approach They're, from a from from a fresh. I think voice. you're right. So I you think know, they are treading water until yeah, the coaching uh, change. Yeah, and I, I think that change that change is coming sooner rather than if like I don't have any info or anything, but. To me, that change is going to come sooner rather than later because two and seven is they very, are very too tough. talented to be where they are. They are, they are, man. And if they lose to the Tigers, and all of a sudden they're they could be last. They yeah. don't lose by like thirty, but they could be last. Yeah, it's possible. Um, so yeah, they're play- to me they're playing like a team that needs a change. But good on the dogs. Clear the dogs have a lot of ticker. Yeah, they got um, a lot of ticker. Before we move on, because we've got a bit of time, because there's no Thursday preview. What did you think of the Grant Atkins Josh Reynolds incident? Um, I think it's I think it's important for referees to maintain their authority. Yep. And I think a lot of referees don't actually do that that well. I think a lot of the time they can sort of get overwhelmed by the by the presence and sort of the the, the volume of things going on around them. Um, but yeah, I think it's important they stand up for themselves yeah, like that. Yeah, I love you know? it because I agree. Like, There's not a lot of things that rugby union does better than rugby league, but one of them is the relationship between players and officials. Tell you what, Atkins looked really pissed off. He was he? angry. He looked furious. I'm I'm good on him, honest, sincerely. And well, I, you got I, a lot of comments online were saying that he was too sensitive and reacted. I say, shut up, you're wrong. <laughs> like, you can't have players talking to you like that. You Matt Bungard standing up for Grand Atkins. Isn't, what have what have we world. what have we become? It's bizarre, isn't it? Oh man, it's all right. It's, um, Penrith Life member Grand Atkins. You got to uh, always say that. You got to always say that. That's his official title. That's isn't right. It? it is. Um, but yeah, like. Yeah, I was shocked how angry he was and good on him for sticking it to him because, yeah, I can't... St- and I watch a lot of soccer, as you know. I can't stand the way referees are treated in that sport. I think rugby's got it spot on with just their no-nonsense approach. If you come near me, you're getting binned. And I honestly... More Grant of Atkins enthusiast, rugby union lover, Matt Bungard. What has happened to you? Um, it's got so bored with winning, mate. I had, to, <laughs> I just had to chase other feelings. I don't know if you know which team's on the biggest winning streak in the NRL right now. Is it Canberra? It's not. Because oh. you had a bye. Well, still the streak has continued. Well, though. no, you three, went... three in a row, three handsome wins. Yes, Nick, but well, one handsome win, two, two wins. We'll I'm, I'm going to blow your mind here. Three is a smaller number than four. I don't know. That doesn't sound right. Okay, you want to get in the lab and seem, check, doesn't seem correct. Out. Yeah. What's the expected number though? Simi <laughs> Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. Yeah, no Thursday game to preview. So um, we'll jump straight into some news. Um, Braden Hamlin, ULA, is going to be out for four weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's a loss for the Sharks because they already were a little bit thin in the middle of the field. And I feel like he's really got himself into a good place with his footy these last couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's always ugly when an, when an injury like this, like this happens. And while there wasn't as much hip drop mania this weekend, I felt like that one was a pretty textbook hip drop. Hips were dropped, weight was thrown onto the back of legs. You can't be doing that, you know? 
And as we said on the Friday show, I think that just that just about means that uh, Jeremiah Nane will miss will miss Origin one, you know, and that's kind of just par for the course of what's been a pretty disappointing season. Well, people for him saying, after such a breakout after, after such a breakout start last year. Would he have even been picked? Well, I guess I guess uh, that doesn't matter anymore, does it? it? Does not. Um, some news has just broken this morning. What a great story this is! The Warriors have re-signed Marcel Montoya for another two years. Truly, one of the most surprising signings of our recent history. Yeah, how good he's been. Just just been great. Probably the most improved player in the NRL this year. We talked about him. I think it was after the Cowboys game a few weeks ago. Like at the at the Bulldogs, there were times when he kind of looked unplayable. Like he kind of looked like one of the worst wingers in the competition, and now he's just totally reinventing himself as a big Chilean warhorse out there, just stampeding over people. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he can't walk down the street in Santiago. That's right. There's like, there's like, there's statues of him. They love him over there. Uh, at the front of Colo Colo Stadium, there's no footballers. There's just a statue of him. Yeah, Marcelo Montoya. Yeah, man, I'll, t- I'll tell you, he's the Chilean, the Chilean king of New Zealand. That's right. Um, yeah. So yeah, great for him. Can't be, couldn't be happy for him. Um, this Kyle Flanagan story is weird. So there was reports on Friday or Saturday that he was going to join Manly effective immediately. Phil Gould tweeted that was not the case and that he was watching him play <laughs> reserve graded hooker yeah. that day. Um, but uh, some other journalists, not you or I, are doubling down saying that he will be announced as a Sea Eagle in the coming couple of days. Yeah, so I think regardless of if he goes to Manly or not, I think injury aside, we've probably seen the last of Kyle Flanagan I would in say first grade for Canterbury. That is true. I understand. I, I, I completely get what they were going for with giving him another shot next to Matt Burton. I think on, on paper and in theory, that's a halves combo that should work because Flanagan, you know, sort of has a reputation as an organizer, as a facilitator, and that should have freed up Burton to kind of just, you know, attack what he sees and all that, but it just didn't, never really went that way. Flanagan was, he just really struggled to get involved, struggled to get his hands on the ball, struggled to put his stamp on the game. And I think the play always with Flanagan for Canterbury was going to be, okay, we'll give Kyle about a half a season. We'll let Kyle Olipau settle in. And then once it's clear what we have with Kyle and Carl, then we make the decision. And I think they've made the decision and the decision is, well, Carl's the future and he's going to be ready sooner rather than later. So that means Kyle becomes surplus to to requirements. Um, I guess Manly's as fine a landing spot as any, but I I, I would be surprised if I would, I'd be surprised if he gets more than one or two games in spot duty for Cherry well, Evans when he's in Origin. I would be surprised if he played more first. He could than be that their new long time six though, because well, yeah, isn't something going on there? There are reports that Josh Schuster could be following Scott Fulton, the long time Manly recruit manager, out the door to the West Tigers. Yeah, the Schuster situation has gotten very weird very quickly. I didn't realize how many Fultons worked for Manly, by the way. Oh, so many, yeah, many, quite a yeah. few. Well, Scott Fulton has been Manly's recruit, one of Manly's junior development guys for the last couple of years. So can you explain this to me real quick? It says in this story from Michael Chambers in the Simon Herald that he had his role diluted this year. So what happened? I'm not 100% okay. sure. But what I can tell you is that he was been, he's been one of Manly's junior development guys for a good couple of years. And a lot of the players that have sort of come into first grade or that they've picked up young from other clubs and have since turned into starters. Are, are, a lot of that's on on Scott Fulton. So he was he was someone who played a really big role in setting up that um, relationship with Blacktown Workers. That relationship is what delivered Manly uh, the Finus and Olakawatu and Josh Schuster and um, Gordon Chikantong and a bunch of other guys like that. Um, Scott Fulton was the one who signed Jason Saab and Christian Tuipolotu, who were both you know going to be the long term wingers. For Manly, so he's played a really big role in sort of helping Manly diversify their roster. That's a really good get for the Tigers, but in a more immediate sense, there's something there's something afoot with Josh Schuster up there. He got dropped for that game against the Titans, and the implication I got is Manly just don't think he's fit enough at the minute. They've sort yeah. of put him back to get more. The cherry quotes work. get more damning every time he's asked about. It. Well, and, and and this was what I was a little bit worried about with with Schuster in the in the preseason, like because there there was going to be pressure on him. To perform, given that Foran, Kieran Foran was was shown the door and Schuster was put into that role, and I think apart from a couple of flashes in that game against Parramatta, it just hasn't really it hasn't really been there. He's a player of of endless potential and and ability, but I think now we're getting to I think now we're getting to the point where people are questioning if we're ever going to see the very best of Josh Schuster. Yeah. I think we still I think we still will. I, I'm an optimist with these sorts of things. I think yeah. he'll be able to sort himself but out. Perhaps it might not be at Manly. Well, perhaps, perhaps not. I, I would be surprised if Manly gave up on him in that fashion. He's someone that the club's really pinned a lot of, a lot of hopes yeah. on for a well, lot they of let years Karen now. Leave. Yeah, so I think Manly will do everything they can to try and get it to succeed. But it does feel like we're at a bit of a crossroads for him at the minute. Yeah, and 
Yeah, so in a weird way, I do feel like if they were willing to let him leave, Cherry wouldn't be coming out and publicly saying that. I feel like that's almost do- being done to light a fire under him. I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I thought Cherry was just was just being honest. I feel like that's the yeah. same thing Cherry would say to Schuster in private, you know. And, yeah, and I, like I think maybe they would have told and him I think, to not I, talk about it if like, I think. He was actually but I think Cherry's it. right as well. He is right. You oh, know? If people like, miss what he said. Basically, he said, "This is rugby league, mate. If you're not willing to work hard enough, if you're not willing to sacrifice, you just don't last long." He is at a crossroads early in his career, but it can be a real positive. So, mm. yeah. And he went on to talk a bit more after that. But yeah, I, th- I agree. I thought he spoke well. And last bit is we love bizarre score lines. Who, who, who doesn't? Who doesn't love a yeah. fucking weird score And line? Uh, the grand final of the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. Uh, Mounties won. Canterbury, zero. That's right. We're talking rugby league on this one, bro. This not- is not the W League grand final. This is the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. There were more points so, in the W League Grand Final than in the New South Wales Women's Premiership What a Premiership stat. Grand yeah, final. so they played, they played the Grand Final this Saturday night up at Leichhardt in torrential conditions. All of Sydney got drenched all day on Saturday. And um, Mounties halfback Matilda Power. Great, great name. name. Great name. Kicked a field goal with three minutes to go. I just saw a video of it for the first time. She really got a piece of it too. And Mounties held on for the 1-0 victory. This, like a one nil victory in any game of footy is amazing. A one nil victory in a grand final—that's the—that's the stuff of dreams. Um, in this match report that I'm reading from uh, Margie McDonald, she called it Tilly Power in the first line. That's even better. That is good stuff. A Tilly Power, Tilly field Power, goal. Tilly Power field goal. Jeez, that's good. So you gotta love that. You gotta love that. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> has there been no, has there been a one nil in the NRL before? There's been there was a one nil game in the late in the mid seventies. Okay. Um, Newtown beat St George one nil via Ken Wilson field goal many many years ago. Um, I think it was like 2016. I wrote a feature about it for the Daily Telegraph that might still be floating around there if you want to see it. Um, the only thing there was a there was a nil all draw between yeah, Newtown and Canterbury. Yeah. In the early eighties, and then there's been a couple of two nil games. I was and so stuff angry like when that, the Dragons but... scored that late try in that game that was two one, and then they oh, scored me on the too, last dude. play. So oh six in the wet at uh, at Cogra, and the Dragons are leading Parramatta two one, two Ben Hornby field goals to one John Morris field goal, and then in the final seconds with the game already over. Um, who was it? I think it was Dean Witters put was in it? a put in a terrible little grubber on his oh, own right, line. Yeah. Matt Cooper ended up scoring him. Instead of two one, we got eight one, which not is still funny, but not as funny as it could have been. Exactly. All right, we are going to get out of here. We will be back on Thursday during the day because there's no Thursday game to recap. Because and also because on Friday morning we will be flying up to Brisbane. Yeah, baby. And we got the questions episode on that'll come out on Wednesday as ever. So we're just just kicking kicking goals with both feet, man. Just yep. absolutely killing it right now. Absolutely. And um, if you want to listen to that questions episode, you have to be a member of our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash Errolburn Rookies. You get access to our Discord server. That third podcast every week, as I just mentioned, uh, as well as merchandise discounts and an invitation to our Magic Round Meetup, which has been booked, paid for, and locked in for this Saturday That's afternoon. That's right. And we're going we're gonna to be stepping up the Patreon stuff mm. in the weeks after Magic Round. We've got some really exciting stuff coming. So if you guys want to be a part of it, I would encourage you to do so. Yep. And a thank you to the people in the top two tiers. They are Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Carlinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsborough Scores, Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kick Sounds Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my team's bench is your team's marquee, my ding ding dong is hard and I am sad, never trendy, Pat McManus, Ray Stone Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thought Tom Hardy was and West Life's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to everyone in lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Love them. Love mm. every single one of you, man. Extra shout out to Shunter, the nicest man in rugby league who took his diehard Panthers fans, took his, took his young man out to Bathurst for that game and uh, kept his spirits up despite the shock loss in the horrible conditions. That's how boys become men, bro, by that's... watching their team lose in torrential conditions. Uh, I've spent many, many, uh, uh, many... Uh, that's what creates true soldiers, bro. Yeah. Shout out to so, one God. Yeah, so Shanta Jr., you'll be stronger for this one, man. Absolutely. All right, we'll be back later in the week. Say goodbye, Campo. Bye, guys. Bye, Bertrand. <laughs> it's goodbye from me.